if you have been here for a while, will know that uh, we have just recently finished a series in Revelations. We finished our second chapter or second section dealing with the seven seals. And as I mentioned last week, in summer, we're going to be starting a new series called Gifted. It's about us as a church discovering our supernatural superpowers. It was developed by the NCMI team and the churches across the NCMI network. And so it's a great resource. Uh, We're going to spend the summer going through that. And the purpose is that every one of us in this room, as I said earlier, are gifted in some way. The challenge is, is what is our gifting and how do we use it? This particular series is going to help us understand that a little bit better so that all of us can be operating in the giftings that God has given us. There is a 31-day devotional that's going to come with it, uh, and that series will start on the 26th of June, so two Sundays from today. And so that being said, this morning we're in this in-between space, a place where you know, we don't really have a series to continue with because it ended last week and we're not quite into the new series. And it's in these moments that I believe God uses to speak to us as a local body. He speaks directly to things that we are going through, things that we are dealing with. And so as I was praying over the last few weeks about what to preach this particular Sunday, because believe it or not, I'm not the most confident topical preacher in the world. Uh, I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me understand what it is that you want me to say. I felt like God confirmed through very close friends of ours that something that we need to speak about or at least talk about today is about how we follow God through transitions. I say that against the backdrop of the word that Tim just mentioned. He said that he wasn't going to steal my thunder, but he did. In fact, I'm done preaching now. I just take what Tim said and we can all go home. I'm just kidding. Joshua chapter 3 is a verse and a passage of scripture that God gave us right at the beginning of this year. He prophesied it over this church. He said to us that where we are going this year, we've never been before. And because of that, we need to follow Jesus closer than ever. Going where you haven't been before means that things are going to be different. And so it's on the back of this word that I thought, well, facing transitions and change is something that we as a church have to become quite familiar with, something that we're going to deal with over and over again. And I want to say this, it's not just for this season. Transition and change is something that's going to happen to us now as a church. God is doing something, but it's something that's going to continue happening for the rest of our lives. In addition, we as a church have held to some of our key prophetic declarations. One of those declarations is that we would be a church that is not content with occupying the land that God has given us, but that we would rather be a church who wants to take full possession of it. And that tells me that in order for us to be a people who make it through the changes and the transitions that God has got for us, we need to be a people that transition well. Now, you might be wondering, what does occupation or possessing the land have to do with transition? What does it have to do with change? And the answer to that question is a lot. It has a lot to do with it because it speaks to a mindset. You see, the word occupation means the action or state or period of occupying or being occupied by military force. For example, right now in this world, we have an invading army occupying territory in another land, the Russia invasion, right? They haven't won the war, to be clear. They are purely occupying certain areas. And so the challenge with occupation is that in occupation, you have a sense of peace. But the truth is, the enemy is still all around you because no decisive victory has been won. And I want to tell you something. If you are missing peace in your life, if you feel like peace is something you don't have, peace is not a product of a stalemate or a truce. Peace can only come through victory. Possession, on the other hand, is defined as the state of having, owning, or proof that something belongs to you. Another way of putting this is when we possess something, we defeat the enemy. We push him back, and we secure the victory over the inheritance that God has in store for us, both as individuals, but also for a church. And so walking into our inheritance has everything to do with transition. If we don't walk into the inheritance and occupy it and then possess it, we will never reach the fullness of what God has for us. 
And sometimes we get stuck in the processes of transition. We get stuck completing transitions. And it's in that place where devastating outcomes sometimes become the reality. For example, the nation of Israel is a great example of this, and we should try and avoid being like them. But it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. God speaks to the nation, and he says to them, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession, not occupation, God never commanded the nation of Israel to occupy the land. He said to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you. Later on, it says seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, not declare a truce with them, not surrender to them, not cohabitate with them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. The command was clear. To walk into the fullness of what God had for this nation, they needed to finish the transition that was given to them. I'm taking you out of Egypt. I'm sending you to the promised land. That is the transition. Complete it. Finish it. And do it well. How many of you know they never did that? Judges chapter 1 verse 28. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. They failed because Israel settled for occupation. Their inability to transition well would, however, come at an extremely great cost. Judges chapter 2 verse 3 says, So now I say to you, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. This declaration from God has been true from then to this day. It's never changed. And I want to say this to you just as an aside. Uncompleted transitions lead to thorns in our flesh. We get stuck in this place where we're neither here nor there. And we'll speak about that a little bit later on. I do want to be clear, however, we are not Israel. And we're not called to conquer that particular inheritance. And while we certainly do live under the security of the cross, we are free. We are living in the new covenant. I do want to say this to us, that each of us in this room, including our church, are called to conquer lands of our own. This means that for each of us to walk into the destiny that God has God for us, the fullness of what he wants from us and for us, we need to become a church and a people that transitions well. I say that because each new phase of walking into your inheritance, each new piece of ground that you take, each new battle that you win is going to come with change. Each new area that you are inheriting will come with transition. And so our value this morning is following God and transitioning well. Can I ask us to bow our heads? I want to just pray for us real quick. Father, this is a word that's not easy for any one of us in this room to hear. None of us like change, Lord. We like the comfortable. And so, Lord, I pray that you would season these words this morning with grace, with love, Lord, and that your presence would be felt as you speak to our hearts, Lord. And I pray that's what would happen today, that you speak to us, Lord, that this would not be some intellectual idea or philosophy but it would be the very words that you've put down in this word of God. It would encourage us, that would help us and get us to wherever it is that you're leading us to, both as a church and as individuals. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I fully recognize that there are probably some people in this church who probably think, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm not going through any changes in my life. I don't know what you're talking about, Marco. Well, let me tell you, if you're not going through a change right now, I can almost guarantee that you'll be going through a change at some point. In fact, I want to tell you that you're not going to go through one change. You're going to go through many changes. You're going to experience change. You're going to experience transition. And I can say that change, as difficult as it is, 
is part of God's plan. God doesn't want his people getting comfortable. Why? Because when we get comfortable, we get lazy. There we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. This goes on until verse 8. A time to gather stones, a time to release stones, a time to embrace and a time to stop embracing. I can never stop embracing Catherine, though. That's the truth. Oh, my word, she says. But what this tells us in no uncertain terms is that change is something that all of us are going to encounter in this world, in our lives, and through everything that we go through. It's just the fact of the matter. We change. We grow up. We grow old. We develop as human beings. Circumstances change. Jobs change. Children grow. Relationships change. And that brings us to our first point, because even though things are going to change, here's the deal. Change is not transition. I say that to you because change is actually an external event. It's something that happens. Change happens. It's not something that sometimes we don't expect it, sometimes we do expect it, but it happens quickly. It's always related to something that happens outside of us. Think of it this way. When your kids leave home for college, as we have many families in this church going through that change right now, you might have been planning and preparing and hoping and praying that Blake would go to college, and he is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. When Blake, when Blake, when, that's not prophetic, by the way. When Blake leaves the house, it will happen in an instant. And all the planning and all the preparing and all the reality of what's coming will happen to you so quickly. Perhaps it's losing a relationship with someone. Maybe you know that your girlfriend for these younger guys here and you are not going to work out. But when that relationship ends, things change quickly. Change happens externally to us. It doesn't happen inside of us. It happens outside of us. Sometimes it's brought about by something we had no hand in. Sometimes it's brought about by things that we have a hand in. But it happens super quickly. Whereas transition, on the other hand, is the inner psychological process that happens to us. It's the thing that we have to deal with, the thing that we have to go through in order to internalize, in other words, make sense of whatever the change has brought about. And so transition, by virtue of that definition, is hard because it deals with our minds, it deals with our brains, it deals with our flesh. But as change is biblical, so is transition. The Bible speaks about some of these inner psychological processes that we'll go through. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image. Who is the image? Jesus Christ. We are being transformed into Christ's image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You want to talk about a process of transition? This is probably the first transition that anyone has to make. The fact is, we are all born again to a new hope. We live life as sinners, and now we're redeemed. That transition, believe me, takes time, and it takes a processing in us. What Paul is speaking about here is what we call sanctification. Sanctification is the purifying of our lives from sin. Now, you'll never be sinless. I want to tell you that right now. If you're aiming for sinlessness, let me just pre-warn you right now, you're probably going to fail. Because we have a flesh with us until we die, right? However, the promise in Scripture is that even though we may sin in our lives, the end result in us, in terms of who we are in Christ, will look closer to Jesus than the day we got saved. And if you don't look closer to Jesus on the day of your death, there is a problem somewhere along the way. 
And so our hearts are to become more like Christ as we grow up, as we build up. But you'll never be perfect along the way, and so just take heart in that. The second example that Paul gives us about this inner psychological process that happens comes from Romans 12. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because it says it best. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God is in the business of changing the way we think. That's transition. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Greek word used for both of these instances of the word transform is the Greek word metamorpho. I mean, you can just imagine what that means. It means to metamorphosize. And that's a real word, by the way. Metamorphosize. I've got to say that again because it sounds so cool. It means we've got to change. It means we've got to transfigure. What we find at the end of the process is something vastly different to the thing that went into the process. The greatest example in the natural that we have of transition is a caterpillar going into a cocoon and coming out as a butterfly. But I want to say you don't get caught too much on that picture because what God is interested in doing in us is not necessarily about physical change. God doesn't want us to look different. We're not going to become butterflies. Maybe one day in heaven we'll get wings. I don't know, and I can't tell you that. That's not a theology you want to build your life on. In fact, I don't think we'll get wings. But what God wants to do is change the inner man. He wants to change who we are inside. It's about how we think. It's about how we act. It's about how we operate, how we deal with stuff in this world. And so there's a sense in that that sometimes transitions can suck, right? But hopefully we get better at transitioning because God is changing our minds constantly. But here's the challenge. Both change and the subsequent transition that we need to internalize is hard. And it's hard because it causes each of us in this room to live outside of our comfort zones. How many of you here like living outside of your comfort zone? I was hoping no one would put their hands up. Because you always get that one guy that's like, here, I'm here. Bro, just give me something that's going to like kill me today. I'll do it. <laughs> Thank goodness we don't have any of those guys here because I'm not sitting there. I would say I like to do crazy things. But here's the point. None of us, live, live, none of us like living outside our comfort zones. But here's the deal, right? Nothing good grows in a comfort zone. Nothing good grows in a comfort zone. Bad behaviors, bad habits, bad attitudes grow in comfort zones. In fact, here's the, here's the truth. You grow the most when you are stretched the most. I remember in 2013, I was fortunate to be a part of a team that was given the opportunity to set a world record by crossing the empty court of the Arabian desert on foot unsupported. Fortunately, we were able to complete that 40-day journey, and so we did complete that record. But I have to tell you that that experience was one of the hardest and most stretching experiences of my entire life, both mentally and physically. But you know what happened to me in that journey is the man that went into that desert experience in 2013 was not the same man that came out of that experience. And if you don't believe me, you can speak to my wife. God did something to me in that desert that I can't even describe in words. And it happened in the moment when I felt that I could not carry on every moment of every day. I hated being there. I despised being there. I was like, do I have to pull this cart one more day? I'm going to lose my mind. But in that moment, when I was being stretched and pulled as far as I could possibly pull, God did something in me that was revolutionary. And that brings us to the second point for this morning. And that is this. Transition is always from glory to glory. We live in the kingdom of heaven, in God's economy. Not in the kingdom of this world. God never transitions us from good to worse. 
Even though sometimes in the midst of a transition, you feel like you've lost ground, you feel like, like things are not the way they should be, and you feel like you've lost something, let me tell you, the kingdom that we operate in is a kingdom that's advancing and not retreating, which tells me that if you're transitioning in God, you will always end up gaining ground and not losing it. And that should encourage us. Because whatever we are going through today, whatever change you're going through, whatever transition you're going through, what will appear at the end of it, because God is changing us through it, changing our minds will be a better version of who we are today. I want to speak about some principles that we find from Joshua chapter 3 since Tim brought it up. I didn't plan this. Those slides are being written on the fly. I'm just kidding. But I want to speak about some biblical principles. And at the end, I want to end up with some psychological stuff. I hate doing that because I like to speak about the Word of God only. And so I want to give you some principles that we take from Scripture, but then I want to speak to you about the psychological processes that affect us. The first thing that we need to know from Scripture is in times of transition, we need to be a people that hears from God. If you're in a transition today, you need to hear God's voice. Joshua 3 verse 1 says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. Joshua didn't arrive at the Jordan gung-ho and say, let's get across, let's build a raft, let's do what we need to do. There's our inheritance, it's on the other side, I can see it. Let's just get everyone across. It's like those movies when the people are pioneering and they're going on the Oregon Trail and they get to these rivers. Nobody just jumps into the river first. They stop, they wait. I mean, that's the worldly view and they think, well, how are we going to cross this river? What Joshua did for three days is he prayed, he sought the Lord. He said, Lord, how am I going to cross this river? This thing is flooding right now. It's big, it's mad. Israel's, Israel, Israelis can't swim. I'm just, that's an, I'm just, I mean, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying, I mean, they came from the desert, bro. Maybe they couldn't swim. I mean, they walked across the Red Sea. They didn't swim across the Red Sea. God spoke to Joshua, and Joshua hears from God. He goes and tells the leaders, this is what God says. This is how we cross the Jordan. And in crossing the Jordan, when hearing from God, miracles happen. The second principle we take from Scripture is in times of transition, we not only need to hear from God, but we need to follow God. Tim brought this up earlier. The, the passage says this in verse 2 as it continues, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from the place and follow it. In other words, don't get ahead of God. When we transition, we want to get through it as fast as possible. When we're in change, we want it to be over. And so we try and force things to happen in our lives. But if God is not leading you, man, let me tell you, you're in a lot of trouble. We follow the presence of God. That's what the ark was, the manifest presence of God on this earth. When you are going through difficulties, when you are going through challenges, the only thing that you can follow is not circumstances, not surroundings, not how big the water is around you or how fierce the enemy is or what's going on in your life. The only thing that is trustworthy to follow is Jesus. The third thing and the third principle that we need to hold on to in times of transition is we have to expect things to be different. Verse 4 continues, and Tim read this this morning, In order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. This is the word that the Lord gave to us as a church. We are going somewhere we have never been before. And let me let you in on a little secret. When God says to you that you're going somewhere that you've never been before, we need to expect that he means what he says. In other words, if we've never seen it, we won't know it. 
And let me tell you, if you are in a place of transition and you start to notice old behaviors, old systems, old structures, old things that are happening around you, as good as they may have once been, maybe you're not transitioning. Maybe we're going around the same mountain again. And so expect things to be different. I know we don't like different because different takes getting used to, right? But we will get used to it. But expect it. The fourth principle that we get from Joshua 3 is in times of transition, submission is key. We don't like that word. Verse 5, and Joshua says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The kind of heart that makes it through a transition is a heart that is totally submitted to God. It's not the kind of heart that reserves its right. That says, Lord, I will follow you as long as it looks like this. Or I will follow you as long as I'm comfortable in following you. Or I'll follow you if you promise to give me A, B, or C. That is not the heart that makes it through a transition. The heart that makes it through a transition says, Lord, I'm submitting myself, consecrating, setting myself apart, and saying, Lord, you do in me what you need to do, whether that's timing, whether that's changing me, whether that's bringing me into new areas of inheritance, whatever it is, Lord, I'm submitting myself to your leadership because God is in control. The fifth thing that we learn from transition is we need to find people to follow. Joshua 3 verse 6, and Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people, in front of the people, ahead of the people. And so they took up the Ark and they went. Now, I know you might be thinking, but I'm in a transition all by myself. I'm in a change all by myself. Maybe what is happening to you in your life is very personal and it's about you. How do I find people to follow when I'm going through something myself? Let me tell you, God has put us into community for a reason. God has connected us to people. He's connected us to family in the kingdom of God. And so find somebody that you trust. Find somebody that can lead you and can hear God with you, not for you. You don't want somebody to hear God for you. You want to, hear, you want to have somebody that can hear God with you and say, yes, I think that this is what you're going through is you know, part of God's plan. And I want to encourage you with this word. Or God said this, and I, and I just feel like it's going to build you up in this season. But going through transition and change is hard enough. We don't have to do it alone. And then lastly, in times of transition, we need to be a people who always remember what God has done. At the end of this account, everyone gets through the transition. I'm not going to read it. We don't have time. But ultimately, everyone makes it across the Jordan. They get to the promised land, the inheritance that they're walking into. We know they didn't get it entirely, but still, they got to this point. They made it across. And along that journey, God does some crazy miracles, like parting the Jordan. That time of the year, the Jordan was in flood. It wasn't a small river. It's not a tiny little creek like Bee Creek. This is a river in flood, and God parts the waters, just like Moses did on the edge of the Red Sea, which tells me that when we're going through tough stuff, when we're going through hard things in our lives, the, one of the promises that we can stand on is that God will perform miracles in our lives. He always does. He's done it for me over and over again. Granted, he never parted the waters, but he's done things in me that were nothing short of miraculous. But what's interesting is what happens when they get to the other side. So everyone makes it across. And then God sends the priests back. He says, now go back into the riverbed and pick up 12 stones, signifying the 12 tribes of Israel. And when you come back to the side I brought you across to, I want you to build a memorial. Build a platform. Why? So that the generation to come will know that God is faithful. And he will remember, they will remember what God did in this place. Now here's the interesting thing. 
when we make it through our transitions, we don't just do it for ourselves. We do it for a generation that's behind us. Every time we complete a transition successfully and we get through the new that God's calling us into, we are leading a generation behind us. When we fail, they see it. When we succeed, they see it. But what's more important is you need to remember what God has done in your life. Because when the storms of life come, and they will, when the changes come, and they will, you can look back and say, if God got me through it then, he'll get me through it again. I've had the fortunate opportunity to go through many transitions in my life. Everyone here in this room has a story of their own about transition and change. Everyone. I'm not different to anybody, and I'm not better than anyone, believe me. But the greatest transition I ever went through was being a drug addict to being a redeemed child of God. Greatest transition. But let me tell you, it, it came with a mindset shift. It wasn't just, okay, I'm no longer a drug addict, now I'm a child of God, everything's fine. No, I had to change who I was. I had to fundamentally change who I was. And every one of us have done that. The moment we were saved and born again, we did that transition in varying ways and in varying degrees. And then the Lord sort of upped the ante. He said to me in 2015, I'm going to call you from everything you've ever known, from the family that you love, the friends that you have, the life that you've built, and I'm going to send you to another nation. That's meant to be dramatic. <laughs> to this nation. I thank God for that transition, but it wasn't easy. But here's the deal, right? Transitions are very personal things. Because let me tell you, there were five of us involved in that transition. Not just me. God didn't call me alone. He called me, Catherine, Alessio, Dino, and Arabella. The five of us as a family. He said, you are all going to go to another nation. But you know that each of us in this transition processed the transition differently? Each of us worked through the phases of transition at varying degrees. And so don't look around yourself and look at the other people who might be in the same situation that you are and say, why am I not like them? Because God's timing with you is different to how, your, how his timing is with other people. And then when we got to America, God said to me, when we left South Africa, we had this thought in our hearts that we're going to plant a church. And he said, no, you're not going to plant a church. You're going to transition a church. And I want to honor Jeremy and Ashley. Honestly, this church is a product of their inheritance, faithfully serving the Lord for many years, building and sowing into this area so that this church today, transitioned into Hope Rock Church, could be part of their inheritance. They were faithful leaders. But we had to process what it means from planting to transitioning, two different things. But God had to do that work in our hearts. And then recently, I was the CEO of a company, and then the Lord said to me, you're not going to be the CEO anymore, you're going to be a church paid elder. My identity was shaken. I'd always been a CEO. Yes, I'd always served in the church. But now God said, that thing you're going to leave behind, walk away from it. That's not who you are anymore. I'm calling you to be this now. Most recently, and I think all of us or some of us in this room will agree with this, the hardest transition that I'm going through at the moment is this transitioning to the new. God is taking us in a new direction. And it's been challenging. And it's been hard. And it's been, at some points, upsetting. But God is doing a work. And so if you've struggled with transition like I have, or perhaps you're struggling with transition right now, and you're wondering why is it so hard, the good news is, first of all, God has got you. The second thing I want to tell you is that there are very clear processes and phases that we go through in a transition. And I want to help you by ending off this morning by showing you some of these phases. Because maybe it's going to give you a bit of idea of where you're at in the process and how you can perhaps hurry that process along. Not rush it, but work through the process. And that's our third point, is that transition happens in phases. This model, by the way, is not developed by me. I don't have the brains to do that. This is from somebody called William Bridges, who got it from God, because God speaks to him too. Okay? It's called the Bridges model of transition. Phase one in any transition is this. It's called endings. Bottom left-hand corner there, over there, endings. It sounds very uh, paradoxical. It actually sounds counterintuitive. How does the new start with an ending? It does. 
in any transition, we're going to face the loss of something. It starts with us deciding and knowing that we are about to leave stuff behind. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a nation. Maybe it's another city. Maybe it's another state. Maybe it's a process. Maybe it's a function. Maybe it's what you used to do before. Something happens in a transition where we have to be ready to let go of things. It's a mourning phase. A phase where we start to and can at some times feel angry. We can feel betrayed. We can feel distressed. Sometimes we even push against the transition because we don't want to let go of the things that are so dear to us. And they're very real, friends. They're not, I'm not trying to minimize any way, shape, or form what we leave behind. Those are very real things. Believe me, leaving our family behind was a very real deal. But we have to go through that phase. We have to get through the ending phase, the mourning phase, the grief phase. Because at that point, we can enter into the next phase, which is called the neutral zone. That sort of in-between phase. It comes after we let go, after we release all the stuff we've been carrying. And it's, an, and it's a challenging place. I want to tell you this because what's weird about the neutral zone is you've left behind the old stuff, but you haven't got into the new stuff. You're in this flux position, a place where you're neither here nor you're neither there. You're wondering when God's going to move you into the new, but you left the old, and now you're in this place where you're feeling frustrated. It's a place of confusion. It's a place of frustration. It's a place of pushing back and saying, why am I even doing this? Which, incidentally, is important that you hear from God right at the beginning. Because in this phase, if you haven't heard from God, you're going to blame somebody. If I had come to America without Catherine hearing from God herself, believe me, when she hit the neutral zone, she would have blamed me for being in America. She still does. I'm just kidding. She doesn't. This is the place where all of God's critical alignments happen. He starts to repattern our brains. It's a hard part, but it's the core of every single transition. This is the seedbed where God starts to sow new ideas into our lives. It's a time when we move from our old sense of identity to the new sense of identity that God is bringing us to. And as hard as it is, we have to go through it. As unsettling as it is, we have to go through it. As confused as you are, you have to go through it. As distressed as you are, you have to push through it. Why? Because when we get to that phase and we get through it, we end up in new beginnings. New beginnings is the ultimate objective of every single transition. It's that place where we experience new understandings, new values are developed. We start to look at things different. Our attitudes change. And let me tell you, you'll know when you get there. I won't need to tell you because what you will realize is that all of a sudden you have energy to be where you are. You have destiny. You have future. You have vision. Because at that point, you have crossed your own personal Jordans. You're standing on the other side. And for the first time in a long time, you'll feel hope. You'll feel excitement. You'll feel joy. You'll feel an expectancy for what God is about to do in your life and through your circumstances and everything that you've been through will be worth it. It's a beautiful place to be in. Now, the challenge with this is that each of us process things differently. Now, I want to say this to you. It's not necessarily about the person. It's about how we start to program our minds. If you can put the next slide up. You see, sometimes when we go through a transition, we spend so much time in endings. We spend so much time mourning what we've lost. That's the furthest arrow. That we spend the inordinate amount of time suffering. And then we get to the neutral zone. We fly through it, and then eventually we get to new beginnings. Or sometimes we get through letting go of things quite quickly. We can release those things. But then we get stuck in the neutral zone forever. We become distressed, confused, frustrated. The ideal for all of us is to get to the third arrow. 
And that is we can process what we're leaving behind. We can let go of the stuff that God wants us to let go of, go through the neutral zone, get the reprogram that we need, hear from God, and then move into and spend the majority of our time in the destiny that God has laid up for us. I know that sounds great, and if you could take this graph and just put it in yourself and say, well, that's what I'm going to do from now on, it would be awesomely easy, right? Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. So I'm going to close now. Maybe, Kerry, you can just come up and just play on the keys. In fact, I'm going to ask... Yeah, I know, in fact, just, just carry, just carry, just play on the keys for me. How do we practically become people that operate out of this third arrow? I'm going to take us back to Scripture. Romans 12, verse 2, we've read this this morning already. Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think by reprogramming your mind, by helping you understand the new values, the new identity that he wants to place in you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transition, difficulties, change, suffering are so that we can get to know God better and we can walk in his will, which is good. His will is pleasing. His will is perfect. It's never going to let you down. You say, well, that's great, Marco. This is amazing. Jesus does all the work. And the truth is he does. But there is something we can do in our brains. If you show the picture of the brain, this comes from a a great book called Rare Leadership. The left side of our brain, which is the slow track, it's the logical side of our brain. It's where we do all of our processing and logic thinking. It's where we store all the rules, store all the problem solving that we have. But it's also the part of the brain that avoids pain. Your left brain doesn't want you to feel pain. That's how you don't burn your hand on the stove. It's a good part. You need that part. But in transition, the left brain is going to slow you down. Why? Because transition equals pain. And so if you're just thinking with this side of the brain logically and you're trying to process things and rules in in a logical format, you will stay in your transition longer than you need to. We need to become right brain thinkers in times of transition. Now, if you're generally left brain, I love you and God loves you and it's amazing. There's nothing wrong with being left or right brain. Some are creative, some aren't, and I get that. But we need to train ourselves through God's word to become more right brain because that's the fast track. It's the place where we start to prioritize important things like joy, like relationships, emotional maturity. And if joy is how we're running through the trials and the challenges of life, who, like Christ, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. You see, Jesus could have seen the cross, the greatest transition that he went through from death to life again, and he could have said, well, that thing's not very joyful. My logical brain says, don't go to the cross. Burn everybody right now, Lord. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. How do you face transition? How do you move through these transitions? You say, for the joy set before me, Lord, I will walk this path as hard and as difficult as it is. Because coming out of the other side, Lord, is a new creation, a new man, a new woman, with a new heart, with a new destiny, with a new identity, and something that you're going to use to impact the kingdom. Peter went through some of the greatest transitions that anyone's ever gone through. He went from fisherman to preacher, like drug addict to preacher. Great transition. He went through the transition of rejecting Jesus Christ and dealing with that. Then Jesus died. Then he had to go through the transition of dealing with the dead Savior. Then he rose again. He was like confused. What's going on? Now he's back. Okay, now things going back to the way it was. No, 40 days later, Jesus ascends, right? Then he has to transition. How does he behave in a world without Jesus? And then it doesn't end there because guess what Peter has to do? He's the first Jew to go take the gospel to the Gentiles. Imagine that transition. No longer is this gospel for the nation of Israel. It's now for the Gentiles too. And I've got to go tell everyone that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on everybody else. You think your stuff's difficult to go through. Peter had some real stuff he had to transition through. But had he not, we might not be here today. Or Paul, 
on the road to Damascus. The Jew of Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the most religious person you could probably ever find. Until one day God shows up and says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul gets radically saved, radically saved. He goes from being a persecutor of Christians to a servant to Christians. Now we think that that just happened in an instant. It took Paul three years. He went to Arabia, to Damascus. He processed what God had done in his life. He had to change his ways. He had to let go of who he was, the heritage, the rules, the obligations, the structure, the hierarchy. And he had to say, all of that is finished, Lord. Use me. Three quarters of this New Testament was penned by that man who made it through that transition. How many transitions or how much value have we lost because we haven't made it through? I want to tell you this morning, if God could do it for those men, if he could do it for Paul, if he could do it for Peter, if he's done it for me in my life and for countless other believers, including you, he can do it for all of us today. He wants to get us to the other side of our own personal Jordans. And he wants to do that with grace and love and mercy. And he'll take us at our own paces. He wants us to step into victory. Possession, not occupation. If you're a believer, you get to do that with Jesus. My heart breaks for those who don't know Christ. Because believe it or not, they will go through transitions of their own. What they don't have is the Holy Spirit to guide them or the Father to love them. But if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, I want you to know that that's a simple invitation. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's by grace that we are saved, through faith, not as a result of works that we may boast, but it is a gift from God. If you know somebody that's going through a transition that is not a believer, the best gift that you can give them is the first transition they really need to make, and that is the gift of salvation. It is the gospel message. It's not about religion. It's not about works. It's not about how good they are, what they've done. It's not about where they've come from, what they've done, what their past, present, or future holds for them at that moment. The only thing that matters is Jesus died for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. His blood is sufficient for your sins. Let me help you make this great transition because every other transition from that moment onwards becomes bearable, doable, and not only achievable, but it becomes part of an inheritance that God has for I always end off with the gospel because that's our mission in this church. I want to see everybody make it to the transitions God has got for them and for this church. But what I want you to do is be transition-minded as you transition the world from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of heaven. That's the greatest tool that we have in our arsenal. And let us be a church that does that. Can I ask you to stand? We're going to close in prayer. And then Ashley's going to come and close the meeting. But can I ask you where you're at? If you need God now in this moment because you are struggling with whatever it is that you're going through, and I'm not here to minimize any one of that. I know people's hearts break in these moments. I know my heart breaks. Can I ask you to just lift your hands towards heaven? I'm going to ask God to fill us today, to give us strength, capacity, and vision for where He wants us to go. And if we're stuck in any one of these phases, that He would release his Holy Spirit this morning and that the Holy Spirit would transform our minds just as the scripture promises. So Heavenly Father, for every hand that's raised you today, Lord, I pray that you would send a download from heaven. I pray for supernatural wisdom. I pray for supernatural insight. I pray for clarity, Lord. I pray for vision. I pray, Lord, that wherever we're stuck, you would break the chains that are holding us back in Jesus' name. 
I pray, Lord, that you would reprogram our minds, reprogram our hearts to receive what it is that you're taking us into. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak, that we would hear you, that we would follow you, Lord, that we would submit ourselves to you, that you would help us to deal with any unmet expectations and that you'd help us to realize your expectations. And I just pray for freedom over this local body. I pray, Lord, also that you'd equip us to be a people who help others transition from darkness to light. Not through religion, not through bashing them down with our Bibles, but through our love and through your word. I also pray, Lord, this morning for anyone that hasn't made the commitment to follow you. I pray, Lord, that you'd soften their hearts right now for this great transition. You are the one that works in our hearts. Lord, you give us a new heart, a new mind, a new soul. I pray that you would release that today and that they would find somebody that can pray with them. In fact, we will be here to pray after this meeting. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.